want to, though, I want to sort of wrap this part up with a realization that all of this discussion we've had over the course of the past week, week and a half, going back to the question not so much of sexuality or sexual behavior, but to the question of identity. And it's what we started off Intro to Morals with last year. What is our identity? You can put it in these different groups. You can put it in your sexual orientation. You can put it in your gender experience, your gender identity. But it's going to be as fundamentally our identity as beloved sons or daughters. If we're content with that, everything else should flow from it. But the fact is, if I'm going to say you are a beloved son or daughter, it is implying that you are either man or woman, male or female, and there's a certain reality of masculinity and femininity tied into that. And so we talked about how our identity is formed by being seen and loved by our parents, being firmed. But the question then comes, how does our sexual identity get formed? Or if you want to use terminology today, how does your gender identity get formed? We keep talking about all of this, but where does this come from? Where does it come from? So, and I think that there are many factors, of course, and we could look at different psychological studies, and actually I spoke to my psychologist friend who's going to send me some, but I want to propose this. And when I talked to her about this, she says, Father, even though you don't have evidence of it, uh, there's a truth there. That part of how our identity is a male or female, or our masculine or femininity, however you want to, our experience of what it means to be that in the body, is formed through the experience of sexual difference. Somehow it's formed through the experience of encountering the other who is fundamentally different than us, although they're the same as us. Kind of like if you go back to Theology of the Body when John Paul II talks about the East and the Esau, the, the man and the woman defined in relationship to the man. Somehow the sexes are defined in relationship to each other, not just from a theological perspective or a linguistic perspective, but there's something deeper, which is existential, that helps to establish our identity. We talked about in our class on sexual identity and its meaning, how sexual difference reminds us that we do not encapsulate the totality of being in ourselves. There is another way of being human. I was reading a, a quote from Abigail Adams, who taught, taught writing to John, reminding that women were created as the helpmate of man, but she says to remind men that they, to stop men from becoming tyrants. Man's got to think he encapsulates all of reality in himself. No, you don't. And so there is that complementarity there. And of course, as we talked about, it goes contrary to this narcissism that is potentially very much inherent in some of this. It says, I don't need anyone but my size myself. So I'm going to look at an image of the other person that is just like me. I don't need to be reminded that I do not encapsulate all of reality myself. 
But I do know, and we can study that in psychology, that the role of the opposite sex individual, particularly opposite sex parent, is crucial to the formation of the child's identity. Again, I'm waiting for some resources to come to explain this. We need the other, the parent, to affirm our identity, the goodness of our being, remember the smile of the mother. But it's not just I need to come to know myself as I and you as thou as a result of your affirmation of me, but I think I need that other person, that parent in particular, at the beginning at least, who is of the opposite sex to help me establish my own identity. The father to the daughter, the mother to the son. I tell you right now, fathers loving their daughters is crucial, particularly in the world today, and mothers having a, a proper attachment to the son is crucial. But it's not just in childhood. It's, the studies will show that it's throughout psychosexual development. So in all, relation with and to, quote unquote, the other is crucial to develop identity, not just the other as another individual where I can't develop my identity by myself. I need to have another member who's not me, who's also not of the same sex that helps to confirm my identity. I need a strong father to help me as a man confirm my identity, and women need a strong mother. You need both sexes, but it can't just be one. So I think that the loss of this somehow has led to or contributed to the problem that we have today, not only an individual level and this psychologized postmodern world, but also in a deeper sort of social and maybe philosophical level. What's that? Just saying it's time for John Olivia to what, What's the problem, John? Break down the family. It is. It is. That is on my bingo. That is on my bingo, John. I didn't put the other thing on the bingo. I just put that on the bingo. So here, what do we have? We have this reality that there are a combination of factors that contribute to this. And, and, and the postmodernism is the binary of male and female is deconstructed and denied. We've already seen that. So we're, we're, we're eradicating difference. We're eradicating male and female because of that. But what's happened, and I think it's actually a part of this idea comes from Isaiah and his little comment that since, let's say, really the beginning to the middle of the 20th century in the rise of that second wave feminism, the two sexes have separated into separate camps where feminism, radical feminism, rejects men, or we don't need masculinity. I am a woman, hear me roar. And, and they tend to isolate, and what is their experience, particularly amongst the radical feminists, it is just with other women. Now granted, you could say that a great part of that is a reaction to men who didn't treat women as persons, but reduced them to things. And so they were isolating too by not actually having real relations with women. Homosexuality as a culture tends to isolate. I'm having my experience of just members of my same sex. If I bring in members of the opposite sex, maybe they're transitioning or whatever. But it tends to be, we're going to have these intimate encounters, the relations with only members of the same sex. And so where are we having this experience throughout a lifetime of a member of the opposite sex to affirm my own identity? 
is happening less and less. Now, you could say, well, back in the day, men only hung around with men and women hung around with women. Yeah, but there were still ways for them to interchange. But I think the deeper issue besides just that, that creating the environment, is to go into that triumph of the therapeutic. And this overly psychologized model, as much as I think psychology is important, and it's very, very Cartesian. Where do we go to find ourselves? Most people, what do you do to go to find yourself? Into yourself, introspection. I'm going to go into myself. This is, I don't need you to help me find myself, and I'm going to express it in, in, in my expressive individualism, but it's that introspective gaze. So we have a cultural reality in so many levels that denies and cuts off experience of the other, particularly of the opposite sex. So all of these factors combined, and I would have to probably develop this a lot more, it would be easy to see that the lack of a proper development of sexual identity is going to follow in the population. Now, being as that I like words and was an English major, I came up with this. This is my theory. Y'all can reflect on it as you want. I got three pairs of words that I, I thought about. This actually, this first one actually came to me when I was in prayer, so maybe it's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Of comparing words, comparing words that, I, that, 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 that connect this. And granted, I like words. So the first one is introspection. Versus... It's potential, you could say, antonym reflection. Introspectare, to look inwards, versus reflectare, the flexion to, to bend, to, to flexion, flexion. So again, like the reflection of mirror that comes back to you. Not that I'm saying that introspection isn't important, but to know our identity, reflection is going to be more important. Not a reflection of our own face. Oh, I'm looking at myself. But the other. And in a certain sense, you could really play with this word by saying it forces us to be bent, to get out of our comfort zones, because I'm really comfortable just looking at a picture of myself. It doesn't force me to have to deal with something that is other. And many don't like this. You could have your own reflection, that's narcissism. But we come to know ourselves through that reflection of being bent, of having to see ourselves in another, but to realize that other person is not us, rather than just going deep into introspection. The, the second pair is this, isolation versus relation. Isolation versus relation. What's the root of isolation? Who said it? Isola, which means what? Island. Island, or alone. Isola, island, isolation. What is the root, though, of relation? What is the Latin of relation? Re, again, or back to latus. Side, okay exactly what I thought. True, but. <laughs> okay, no. I, I, got, I gave a homily on this about two years ago. I thought it was 
to relational means we're walking side by side, but that's not what the root is. Again, you are a Latin scholar. The root word is this, latus with a long A. And that's etymology.com. What does that word mean? I had to look it up. It's from bearer? Or is it something else? It means to bear or to carry. To carry. carry. So relational isn't, oh, you're walking side by side, but I'm carrying you. I'm bearing you. It's the shepherd who bears the sheep. I think that that is all homily. So it's not just, hey, we're walking together. I'm accompanying you. But there is... Bearing the other person. Who is the other? It's the it's the Samaritan carrying the, the guy, the burden, in their difference, in their imperfection. And so it's a certain like taking the difference into yourself by actually like, hey, here, if I'm just reflection, you're still over there. But relation means I'm going to bear you. You're going to bear me. There's a deeper connection there where a deep relationship is formed. It's not just, I'm going to study you, but I'm going to get to actually know you as the other, and you're going to get to know me. By knowing and being in relationship with that member of the opposite sex who ends up, in a certain sense, by being born by or bearing them, helps us confirm our identity. The last three, or last two of the three pair, and actually different words, rejection versus reception. Or you could also say acceptance because they both come from the same root word. They both come from the same root word in the Proto-Indo-European language. So. Reachere, to reject, means to throw back. But what are you throwing back? You're throwing back the givenness of your own body. Remember we talked about like the, the body, the givenness. No, I don't want it. I'm rejecting it. I'm throwing it off. Disincarnation. I'm casting off my body to live as I want to live. But recipere means to take back. To receive the body as a given implying the dimension of gift. Now, one can say that there's a, 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 acceptance also uh, is there, ad capere, which means to take to yourself, both from this Proto-Indo-European word called cap, meaning to grasp, K-A-P. That's the deeper root word that these Romance and Germanic languages come from. So acceptance and reception come from the same word, to grasp or to hold. But it all means that your body has been given. Your identity has been given. I'm accepting it as this person. One must say that you must first receive your sex body as a gift before then you could come to deeper acceptance of it. So I think in a certain sense, you, you, there's a, you receive first, then you accept. Because just because you've received something doesn't mean you've integrated it or accepted it. So... That's the thing. The rejection of the sex body versus I'm receiving it. I'm taking it in. This is who I am. I'm accepting my identity. And 
if we're going to, this sounds so theoretical, I know that, but if we're going to move forward to try to, whether it be create our own narrative, our own environment, where we can deal not just with the morality of these certain sexual acts, but to be able to create a space where identity can grow, you're going to have to have more reflection, more relation, more reception between the two sexes so that we can live in that givenness of our own body, that we can accept it and each other and all the uniqueness of the feminine and masculine expression. Rejecting our bodies or rejecting difference has been a significant contributor to, I think, this confusion over identity. Because if you were to, this is what it comes down to. As we talked at the beginning of the semester, this comes down to who am I? Not what do I do or how I act. Reception of the other and reception of myself. So ultimately, as much as we talked about gift over the course of the semester and the principle of gift, we've also alluded to the importance of I'm going to give, there has to be some receptivity. I got to accept myself as I am in order for me to accept you as you are. But here, if I can't accept my own identity as a man or a woman, or I can't accept my body, guess what? I sure as heck ain't going to accept you. Impossible. So this is that key of receptivity from our identity from God and allowing ourselves to be begotten, receptivity of the gift of existence, receptivity of the other, the spirituality of receptivity, which is ultimately a Marian one, which ties us back to that whole discussion of the Marian dimension of the church. As creatures, we are fundamentally receptive. And could that be the real deeper issue and we're going to really see this when it comes into bioethics next semester, the desire to control and overcome limits with technology. Do not want to receive limits. We don't. Because to be receptive means you are not in control, you are vulnerable, and that is not an identity people like, particularly those who have been hurt, who have been traumatized. So you can take some control over that. I mean, I, we go in all these different directions there, but the importance of authentic relationships, chaste relationships, not objectifying between members of the opposite sex as crucial to the formation of identity. Figure out ways in the church that we can do this, in society that we can do this. That's why a chaste culture in society is necessary because that, that enables the the authentic relationships, or else we're going to keep going down the spiral of confusion of our identity, and then within a few years, you're going to see significant throwing in of more technology. This is that transhumanism. I don't know if you're familiar with the transhumanism movement. We're going to go beyond being human by becoming part robots or whatever it is. So we'll overcome that ultimate. Here, I'm overcoming the limit, because what's the one limit that we haven't overcome yet? Death. Death. And there are, like, there are people, they are trying to overcome the limit of death. But what does that go back to? Your identity in Christ. Jesus has overcome death. But if you don't accept Jesus, you don't follow him, then what's the last limit that I'm going to use technology to overcome? It's going to be death. I've overcome my body. 
I've overcome my genitals, I've overcome everything, instead of just that deeper receptivity of salvation, receptivity of mortality, and of those limits. So, that's my little spiel. Something to think about over the Thanksgiving break. If y'all think about that, I'll think about the bingo. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.